Hey Aggies, this is your favorite new show, Between the Lines, with your host, JC Caldwell. Really excited about my episode this week. We got some cool interviews that I'm going to share with you guys. Um, And this, well, not this, but next week will be my last episode of the semester um, until January 11th. So after next week, my next episode will be January 11th. So mark your calendars for that. Next week, I should have a fun Christmas edition episode, you know, to get festive and get in the spirit of the holiday season. Um, Moving on into sports for this week's episode, though, um, of course, I have to mention that, you know, USU football, the Aggies literally just won the Mountain West Conference Championship game against San Diego State, killed it 46-13 to on Saturday. It was awesome. I know that all the football players were, like, way excited, and why wouldn't they be? I mean, I was pumped. I got to broadcast the game, and just listening in, I mean, we just dominated and killed it, and I am just so proud of our football team. Really exciting. Um, men's basketball played St. Mary's on Thursday. Um, Aggies lost 58-60. to 60. However, if you were at that game, you know that it was kind of controversial, um, the ending there, and I know that a lot of people were pretty upset about that loss. Um, women's basketball was supposed to have a game um, on Saturday against the University of Texas El Paso. However, it got canceled, so they didn't end up playing that game. It's kind of funny. I saw on Twitter like this picture of the ba- the girls' basketball team, and it was like, what do you do when you're in Texas and your basketball game gets canceled? And it's like a picture of them playing arcade games. So I thought that that was really funny. Um, and then moving on into events. Um, of course, we have finals coming up next week, so... Not a ton going on. I know that a lot of people are just studying for finals and trying to focus on that. I know that I'm definitely doing that and really stressed out about the test that I have coming up. Um, However, yesterday they did have like a closing social at Huntsman Hall. Um, It was from noon to one and it was a closing social for the Sub for Santa drive where you could like donate gifts or help a family in need this Christmas. Um, So that was cool. You could volunteer to wrap gifts and, you know, they gave out free hot chocolate and donuts. So that was cool. And they've wrapped that up. So I love that, you know, we have a sub for Santa. That's really beneficial, I think. Um, Also, this week, the Utah State or Utah State Theater is um, having a play and it's Miss Bennett Christmas at Pemberley. Um, It's kind of like a play that's like a twist on Pride and Prejudice. It's like a Christmas version of it and I don't know I haven't gone to see it yet but I've heard good things about it and so if you're looking for something more festive to do definitely think about that it's at the Chase Fine Arts Center um yeah they have it from like 7 30 to 9 45 just to give you an idea um it's also no test week so heck yeah I love that plenty of time to study I don't have any classes this week I don't think, I think all my professors canceled it, which is super nice. Gives me plenty of time to get my homework projects and studying done. And last day of classes, if you do have them, will be on Friday. And then, you know, we all got finals. But then on the bright side, after that, it's freaking Christmas break. My favorite time of the year. We all get to go home and see our families and give gifts, receive gifts. I'm really excited mainly to go skiing finally if it would snow. It was supposed to snow yesterday and it didn't, 
which I mean, bittersweet. I really hate the cold, but I really want to go skiing. So we'll see what happens. And you guys, Christmas is in 18 days. That's it. We just got to wait 18 days until Christmas. So I know that I have a countdown at home. So hopefully you guys are counting down too. Um, And then moving on into our statesman portion. Here we go. Okay, so for this week, I was supposed to have a guest on, um, just someone that I know that loves to ski, loves to snowboard, loves Beaver Mountain, and because there was an article in the Statesman this week, it was kind of like a Beaver Mountain preview for all you skiers and snowboarders, or, you know, snow lovers, tubers, Um, but he unfortunately couldn't make it, so that's okay, we got plenty to talk about anyway. So I did an interview yesterday with the Statesman's sports manager, Jacob Nielsen, and I just kind of wanted to get like an inside look on his take on the Mountain West Conference Championship game because he was there. He got to go to L.A., watch the game, be there for the whole thing. So I thought that that was really cool. He did some stories on the game, too. So I wanted to see his thoughts about it because I know that a lot of people were not optimistic going into that game right like a lot of people almost everyone was like San Diego's got this in the bag and you know USU ended up dominating and so I kind of wondered if he had the same thoughts had the same ideas and he knows a lot about sports so I thought that it would be perfect to interview him so it's a pre-recorded interview and I'm just gonna go ahead and play that for you guys now all right Jacob Nelson Going into the championship game, were you optimistic that USU could actually win the game? I knew they had a fighter's chance because they've been overlooked all season long, and so they they weren't favored. I personally didn't think they were going to win San Diego State. It was 11-1, top 25 team in the country, and really good on both offense and defense. But I I knew that they weren't going to just roll over. I knew that they were going to have a chance to go and uh, make some havoc. And as the game went on, how did your feelings change? Like, as the game was progressing, you said that you weren't optimistic. So at what point were you optimistic that we would win the game? I think um, my feelings changed pretty early in the game, actually, because I saw what Utah State's defense was doing in the first quarter. Um, They Neither team scored in the first quarter, and it was just kind of back and forth. But the way the intensity and energy and just – the way Utah State was playing in the trenches and how they were holding up physically against San Diego State, I realized like, oh, we're not outclassed. The Aggies aren't outclassed by these guys. Like they're handling their own. And so from early on, I'm like, they have a shot. And then obviously they had a big second quarter. They scored two touchdowns, take a commanding lead in in a half. And then the moment when I'm like, oh, Utah State's winning this game for sure was start of the third quarter when Logan Bonner, he hit Brandon Bowling, just wide open, there's no one near him. Bowling leaps into the end zone for the touchdown to go up 21-3. And that, that was the moment when it's like, okay, this is this is Utah State's day. They've taken care of business here. And I'm sure that was really exciting. Um, I know that you were at that game. So what was the feeling like in that stadium once USU had officially won? Oh, it was it was awesome because it's kind of interesting because of the, the, the game is played at the home stadium of the, the top team, but San Diego State, they're uh, they're renovating their stadium in San Diego. So their home for 2021 is in Carson at the LA Galaxy Soccer Stadium. So it's 
kind of an intimate venue. It holds like 26,000 and it was probably about two thirds of the way full, obviously mostly San Diego State fans, but there were probably a thousand Utah State fans there. And as the game progressed, they just got a little bit louder, a little bit louder. And by the end, they'd just taken over the stadium, it felt like. Um, from where we were, it's an open press box, so, and Utah State fans were on our side, so you could hear them chanting. They were chanting, Aggie defense. They were chanting, overrated, which, by the way, is a terrible chant, but but they were having fun with it. And so by the end of the game, it was just it was just pan pandemonium for sure, and everyone stuck around to watch the trophy presentation. And, uh, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of happy people in blue. And what do you think allowed us to win that game? Like, what did USU football really do well in that game that solidified it? Well, I mean, they just, they beat San Diego State in every facet. It started defensively. Um, they were able to shut down San Diego State's run game. Uh, San Diego State has a really good rushing attack. They averaged 178 yards on the ground going into the day. And Utah State has struggled against really good run teams, but physically they just, they shut them down. And... Just the, the push from the front four from from Halle and from Marcus Moore and then from Nick Henninger and Byron Vaughns there on front to break down the, the San Diego State offensive line and get to the Aztec running backs. That really is what set the tone early on. And then after that, everything kind of just fell into place. Like Utah State was just able to do the stuff that they do great on offense. It had a slow start, but then they were able to physically wear down San Diego State and then get some easy big chunk plays in the second half. So it kind of just, through the course of the game, they just they just wore them down and won by a lot of points. Um, kind of like as a recap of the season and looking back at each of USU's football, like their games, do you think that they deserved to win this final game? Oh, absolutely. I mean, everything that Utah State's done this season, they've been deserving of. None of these games have come easy for the most part, and they, they've had to go to war. Um, week by week, right? And it started from the first game of the season. They went up to Pullman to play Washington State, and they're down double digits in the second half. And they come back and beat them, and that kind of that set the tone of like, hey, like we're gonna we're gonna get after it this year. And they won the Mountain Division. There were there were a lot of people talking about how maybe they weren't deserving because they didn't have to play San Diego State or Fresno State, two of the best teams in the Pacific side of the conference. They avoided them in the regular season, while Boise State and Air Force both had had to play them. So people were saying, well, they, they won the mountain because they had an easier schedule. And so they, they came in Saturday proving like, no, 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 we won the mountain because we were the best team in the mountain division. And I think they showed that. They showed that Air Force didn't beat San Diego State. Boise got rolled by San Diego State. And then Utah State comes in and they beat them by 33 points. I mean, I don't think you can make a more emphatic statement than that. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, do you have anything else to add or any closing remarks? Well, I mean, now... It's the bowl game, right? Bowl game on December 18th, the day after finals. So, I mean, Aggie fans, like, if you you got to get down to L.A. L.A. Bowl, I mean, it's going to be at the SoFi Stadium, NFL Stadium. They're playing a Pac-12 team in Oregon State, and it's the only time since 1961 when Utah State lost to Baylor in the Gotham Bowl that they've played a Power 5 opponent in a bowl game. So, biggest bowl game potentially in Utah State history in two weeks so you got to be there team's gonna go to war and it's also the last game for a lot of guys Devin Tompkins trying to go to the NFL after the season Bonner has a year of eligibility but he's done so uh, kind of the, the final rodeo against a really good Pac-12 team and it's gonna uh, yeah it's gonna be a memorable one for sure so sweet thanks so much Jacob for sure all right so like I said before that was Jacob Nelson he was 
a lot of fun to interview. He clearly knows his stuff. He loves football, and so it's fun to always talk to him about that. It's funny. We'll always have conversations about football because I really love football too. But the difference is he's, like, really into college football, and I'm really into NFL football. So we don't have conversations about teams or anything because he doesn't really like the NFL, and I've actually only watched a college football game once. And it was when we went to UNLV and I got to report on it. So it's kind of fun and interesting to hear some stats about USU Aggies football because clearly we're killing it. So I love getting to talk to him about football and interviewing. Um, Moving on to the next part of the Statesman segment, um, I had a really exciting opportunity this past week. On Wednesday of last week, our managing editor got a phone call and she like gets all excited and hangs up the phone and she goes, all right, JC, I have a proposition for you. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, I just got off the phone with Becky Edwards, campaign manager, and Becky Edwards is going to be coming to campus here at USU on Friday and wants to know if we want to do an interview. And at first I was like, who's Becky Edwards? And I had to Google it and kind of learn a lot about who she was. And she's running, she's a candidate running for the Utah spot on the U.S. Senate in the 2022 election. So she's been in the Utah House and has been a Utah politician, has lived here her whole life. She graduated from BYU. I got to learn a lot about her. Anyway, so... Our managing editor is kind of like talking to me about this. And I'm like, that's like really cool. Um, And like the opportunity to interview a politician. And at first I'm like, all right, which one of my writers would want this story? And I'm like, you know what? I got this. I'm free Friday, 1030. Put me down. I got this. So, you know, we scheduled an interview and I was really excited, you know, coordinated with a videographer to do some video of it and a photographer to get some headshots and it was all set up. And Thursday night, I was so nervous because it was like a big deal for me. Like, this is like a big time politician. Like, what if she wins and she is like on the U.S. Senate and I got to interview her. And so I was super nervous. So I came up with a list of like 20 questions to make sure I was prepared And I had so much anxiety that night. I don't think I slept. I think I might have slept for 10 minutes. But I would just like wake up at like 3 in the morning, 4 in the morning. And I would like think of another question to ask her. And I would just like write it down. Anyway, I'm just kind of like setting the scene for you guys that I was like super, super nervous for this interview. Anyway, she comes at 1030 on Friday. And I had set it up like to have this interview in our studio on the third floor. And I had gotten there early. I had left class early to make sure we had lights set up. So it was good lighting. Um, I had my photographer there and we were all helping set up stuff. And then I see her walking up the stairs. And I'm like, hi, Becky, I'm JC. And I like introduce myself to her and her campaign manager. And I'm like really nervous at this point. And I had made sure to dress really nice so that I looked professional. And we go into the studio And I'm like, all right, we're going to have you take your picture first. This is Bailey. Like, this is William. Like, introducing her to kind of the crew. And she's like, okay. So she, like, poses for this picture. And Bailey takes her headshot. And then Bailey's like, all right, how does this look? Like, asking Becky. And Becky goes, I I don't think I have ever looked cuter. And it was, like, so funny. We all laughed. And like right then I was just like all right she's funny she's cool she's nice and I kind of like was able to relax and 
We started the interview and it was a 48 minute interview and it was great. I really learned so, so much about her and it was really cool to talk to her. She was super nice, loves college students, wants to include them in politics and stuff like that. And one really funny thing is I was wearing all white. I had like a white shirt and a white blazer on. And then our photographer, Bailey, she had on a blue shirt. And then the videographer, William, he was wearing a red shirt. And so we were like red, white, and blue. And then Becky had like a white shirt and like a red pantsuit. So it was really funny. We were all red, white, and blue. We got lots of pictures with her. And it was a lot of fun. And so there is an article online that I was able to write and get published on the website Um, about her and kind of like an inside look on the interview so if you want to check the article out it's just at usustatesman.com and so I I thought that this interview went really well and it was kind of like a big deal to me so I decided that I would play you a little clip from the interview just so you get a little sense about her and kind of what my experience was interviewing her so this is just like a six minute part of our 48 minute interview so I'll just go ahead and play that. Um, how else will you be involved in government and politics if you aren't elected? Well, I, I think, you know, of course, political engagement always starts uh, with, with voting, doesn't it? And I think sometimes people feel like if they register to vote and they place that ballot in the box, that is, that's it. But that is a great place to start. But I hope nobody ends there. I hope for me and for you and all the readers of this newspaper, that voting is just the beginning to a life of political engagement and inserting yourself in the conversations that are either around an issue, around uh, something happening in your community, and that political alignment transcends identification with a particular party, but it it goes to a place of really what I think our founding fathers meant for all of us, which is this is, in essence, the, the belief of, you know, by the people, for the people, uh, try and get that right. <laughs> try and help me there. I'm, I'm rushed to get to my next point, that individual voices matter. And that that is something that I think for all of us, that Find a place for your voice. Find a a group of people who align with you on a particular issue, whether that is climate, whether that is uh, diversity, whether that's LGBTQ, whether that is taxes, whether that is higher education, whatever it is, find a place for your voice to be heard and make yourself present in the places where decisions are being made. That would be and that's one of my, my top messages as I'm going around colleges and universities is encouraging people to become and stay civically engaged. Um, in your campaign, I know that you emphasize representing all of Utah, even though you're a Republican. Um, I know that sometimes as college students, we are overlooked, as you kind of mentioned, and our opinions aren't always as valued because typically, you know, we're young and not as educated. Um, on some things, but how do you plan to represent college students in Utah to make sure that our voices are one of those individual voices? Well, let me tell you, let me brag on you for a minute. Let me brag on college students. 
we're seeing that voters under 30 are voting at higher rates than we've ever seen before. We're seeing that women voters are voting at higher rates than we've ever seen before. And this is in Utah. This is, this is exciting. And I think that, that uh, to realize that you may be one voice, but you are part of a movement of young people who want to make a difference, I think empowers you. How will I engage? I will continue to do the very same thing I've always done, which is reach out in all the possible technologies we can and be available for, for um, you know, listening and learning. This is, this is not just campaign rhetoric for me this is, or you know, sound bites. This is how I, how I led when I was in the House. Every Saturday morning, for example, during the legislative session, so for 10 years, we'd open up our house on Saturdays. People would come in. Some days we'd have 10 people, sometimes 20, 30. And we'd sit in my living room on the sofas and we'd talk about issues. We'd have bagels in the back, but mostly we'd talk and, and I'd listen and learn from what people had to say. Sometimes they'd be saying, that vote last week, that was bad, you shouldn't have voted that way, or I, this bill that's up before you, this is what needs to change. You need to have an amendment on this. And they'd share their stories. I remember one bill specifically about a woman who had a daughter uh, and a husband with disabilities. And we had a piece of legislation around that issue. And she said, you're getting this wrong. And she educated me. So I was able to then go back to the House the next Monday and share those stories. And we actually made changes. And the bill was better because she came to my house and shared that. So that intentionality over the, that service of 10 years, I had hundreds of people in my living room, and I, I loved that. And we're taking a piece of my house. We're taking a couch from my house around the state now, uh, calling it our yellow couch tour. The couch happens to be yellow. It fits in the back of my car. And in the summer, we're taking it around you know, in community uh, centers and parks and inviting people to come and have an experience just like that, sharing. And I would hope that college students would begin to have a window into the campaign in the easiest way possible, social media. We have a great social media presence where we're trying to, to do a couple of things. First of all, tell people where we are and what we're doing with the campaign help them understand what our issues are. Um, all of our sites are Becky for Utah, F-O-R, Utah.com. But, but in addition, we're making a really big effort to use our platform to educate people about the process of political engagement. So what it means to, in this race specifically, what it means to place a vote. And it's not just in November of next year. This is a Republican primary in June of 2022, which will effectively decide the race. Because All right, I'll go ahead and stop it there. Anyway, it was a really cool interview. Turned out great. Um, gave me long answers, which was fun and, I mean, typical for a politician, but really cool, and it was really fun to meet her. They even gave us, like, a pin afterwards, and her campaign manager was super nice, too. She was actually here on campus for like a tour she did a tour of the campus and had a couple interviews I wasn't her only interview but she had come to do this panel with that 
a panel with a couple other people in political science that was like organized by the government relations council here at USU. So really cool. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and go over some of the other stories that are in the Statesman this week. Of course, we have that Beaver Mountain preview that I mentioned earlier. Um, I personally love Beaver Mountain. I'm a little biased. I kind of like grew up going to Beaver Mountain. I learned how to ski there that I remember. I've like every Christmas growing up, my dad would take us and we would stay at the lodge right right next to the mountain and we would just stay for a couple days and ski all around Christmas time. So I love Beaver. It feels like my home resort. So I'm really excited about that. So you can read kind of the background about Beaver and you know how much snow they're supposed to get. Um, if you want to read about that in the Statesman. We also have like a finals article from Brock. He kind of just talks about how different professors take different approaches to how they do finals. So that might be interesting. We have a sub for Santa article from Jared just talking about what the drive is, what you can do to help. Um, it's kind of more of a recap now that the drive's over, but it's really cool. We also have a plastic bag ban update from Maggie. I remember writing an article about this a year ago. Um, and how they decided that they were going to do this plastic bag ban where, you know, no retail stores were allowed to have plastic bags. But then it was canceled because of COVID or not canceled, but postponed because of COVID. And they had postponed it to January 2022. And now that that's less than a month away, they're kind of regrouping and trying to see what other options that there are. So Maggie kind of talks about that in her article the council is actually meeting today to finalize what they're going to do, what decision they're going to make. And we will have an update on what is the final decision online. And that will be posted this week. So be sure to watch for that so that you know what to expect in Logan for next year. There's also a cool lifestyle story on um, someone in the marching band who is blind and kind of a feature and how they how this guy lives his life um there's also a story on the play miss bennett christmas at pemberley that i talked about in events and there's one on a filipino composer um, that works with the usu um, choir department and there's some sports stories and we have an opinion story on modern conspiracy theories and how they suck from Megan. And another one about how credit cards maybe don't fit everyone in college. So lots of good content in the Statesman. Honestly, I just, I love the Statesman so much. And we always, I think we always have great content. But uh, moving on into some Logan news. I'm going to go over this kind of quickly because we're running out of time. But there was this controversy at Skyview. Yeah, Skyview this past week. And it kind of started from an assembly that they had. And during this assembly, a country music video was played. And it had, like, stock footage from the civil rights area, era and depictions of, like, pr police brutality and profiling of black Americans. And so it was like a song, but the message people felt like was an attack on white people and law enforcement. So... Some people defended the assembly and thought that it was necessary to show, like, how racially insensitive people can be. And other people felt like it was teaching their kids that white people and police are bad. And so 
they had like this meeting because after the assembly, they had a Skyview high school student show up on Halloween in a KKK costume and one in like a basketball uniform with a bald cap and his face painted brown. And so like all of these things that obviously are not okay. But um, in this article that I read from the Herald Journal, um, it was very controversial. I mean, they had quotes from both sides. Um, one person that was concerned was a parent, Heather Mule, who said that the video made her daughter like ashamed to be white. And I mean, she said that one of the first legal slave owners was a black man. And so she didn't like that her daughter was like learning these things that she didn't feel were true. So there was that kind of controversy that happened in Logan. Um, I also wanted to mention that today it marks 80 years since Pearl Harbor. So the Pearl Harbor attack was on December 7th, 1941. So that was 80 years ago um, today. So just think of that throughout the day. Um, all right. And moving on quickly into our headliner section. <laughs> All right, so um, this first one is really funny. It's my favorite one, super interesting. So the caption reads, quote, Snowstorm leads to impromptu sleepover for 31 people at Denmark Ikea, end quote. So this one's really funny. There was like a huge snowstorm, and everyone who was shopping in Ikea just had to stay there. Like they couldn't leave. They couldn't be driving on the roads. So the person, like the store manager was like, all right, we're going to be sleeping here. And honestly, thinking about it, like if there was a snowstorm and I was trapped somewhere, I would definitely want it to be Ikea. Like, I don't think that this is a bad thing, especially reading through the article. Like it says that they watched Christmas movies. They had were watching soccer games on TV. Their their kitchen staff staff made hot chocolate and pastries and had coffee and stuff like that and kept everyone warm. They all got to like pick comfortable places to sleep um so really funny and the guy even said like it's been a good night it's been way fun and like quoted in this article that the sleepover went super well so really funny I mean turned a sucky situation into I guess a chill night of fun in Ikea so kind of funny uh the next one is quote 44-foot pyramid of washing machines breaks Guinness world record, end quote. So some of these world records that I see and read, like, blow my mind. Like, who thinks, like, I'm going to break the world record for stacking washing machines? Like, kind of crazy, but it's real. It was, like, a British company that did it, and they did it to, like, raise awareness of electronics recycling. So they broke this record to, like, raise awareness. It wasn't just for fun. But they assembled 1,496 recycled washing machines into, like, this giant pyramid. And it was 4 feet and 7 inches tall. So, if you want to break the record, it's got to be 4 feet 8 inches tall. So, really crazy. But that happened, like, 5 days ago. Um, And the last one is, quote, Kansas woman becomes third sister to turn 100. End quote. So, this one is really interesting It's all three girls, so they haven't lost a sibling, and they're all over 100 now. So the the oldest sister is 104, the middle sister is 102, and now this last sister, like, just turned 100. So 
it's, I mean, it's really cool. And they don't really say that they have a secret. They're like, it's just, it's just in our blood. And their dad lived to the age of 98. So I don't know. The sister was just like, we eat right and we pray and we stay out of mischief. So that, that was their secret. Kind of cool. They just said they're good people and that's why they feel like they're still alive. So kind of funny. Um, Anyway, that is the end of today's show. We are out of time. Thank you so much for listening. Remember that next Tuesday will be my last show until January 11th, which will be the start of a new semester. So that should be fun. So make sure you're tuning in next week, Tuesday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. See you guys. Bye.